Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this series. And in today's conversation, we're going to talk about the state of the global economy. First, we'll look at our newly released data on the Consumer Confidence Index, and then we'll dig into the economic outlook for the United States. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Joining me today is Eric Lund, the Principal Economist here at the Conference Board. Eric, welcome. Thanks for having me, Steve. All right. So, Eric, the new numbers are in regarding consumer confidence for May. What did we learn? Well, Steve, we saw the overall uh, uh, consumer confidence index tick down uh, for the month of May. It came in at 102.3, down from 103.7 the month prior. Uh, as far as the two components are concerned, the present situation uh, uh, index fell to 148.6 from 151.8, and the expectation index declined just a touch to 71.5 from 71.7. So really, the, the decline in the headline number was more associated with the present situation than it was uh, with the expectations index. Now, one of the interesting things is, Steve, that the uh, the driver of the decline in the present situation index was actually associated with some of the labor market readings. So uh, the consumers that we surveyed this period said that they were seeing somewhat of a soft labor market environment than they had previously. Um, on the expectation side, uh, that reading still remains below 80. 80 is a, a, a critical threshold uh, for this index. Anything underneath that that value usually indicates that the consumers are looking uh, down the uh, down the timeline a bit and expecting a recession. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, what's happening across ages and incomes, we've seen pretty broad declines over the last three months, uh, regardless of, of where you are within those categories. But the May reading actually saw a notable decline among consumers over the age of 55. Okay, so let, let, let's pause and go back a, a little bit here. Just to remind our listeners, the Consumer Confidence Index is made up of these two components that Eric has talked about. It's how are they feeling about the current situation or the present situation index, and then what do they think is going to happen in the next six months? Now, if you look back, Eric, over the past, I don't know, half a dozen uh, of these monthly indices, it was reversed. People were more worried about the future and, you know, more sanguine about where they were. This is a little bit of a flip, isn't it? Well, I mean, so the their pessimism, consumers' pessimism about the future remains. It hasn't changed much, uh, according to the index. It's still dour. They're still expecting a, a, a slowdown uh, or a recession uh, in the future. But what I think is different now is that we're seeing um, for really the, the fourth uh, uh, time out of the last five uh, readings, um, that the present situation, their their outlook about what's happening now in their day-to-day -day lives is starting to decline as well. So in some ways, um, the the experiences of the U.S. consumer are starting to, to really match gradually uh, their expectations about the future, uh, which of course means that the recession that they're expecting uh, may be coming down 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 the alley relatively sooner. Yeah, and and so we at the conference board have been forecasting the U.S. to go into a a mild recession here in the second half of of twenty three. Is that still your forecast? 
It is. Uh, we could start to see GDP dip into negative territory as soon as this quarter. Uh, our current forecast has it at minus 0.6, and we're expecting to see uh, a contraction run through the end of uh, the end of the year. Okay, so the fact that consumers are getting a little pessimistic here, and you know that reading below 80 suggests that maybe we're just about there. I think it, it's certainly a possibility. We did have a, a fairly strong uh, a consumption reading uh, come out uh, on Friday of last week uh, for the month of April. So that's a bit lagged, of course. It, it doesn't really line up with this May reading of consumer confidence. Um, but I, I, I think we're going to see a situation where uh, the U.S. consumer really uh, starts to buckle under the weight of uh, high inflation, uh, high interest rates, and we really start to see a consistent negative readings in terms of consumption. Yeah. Now, during the pandemic, there was a lot of stimulus and consumer balance sheets were kind of replenished there by the government uh, assistance. That's pretty much run off now, hasn't it? And and people are now relying more on their credit cards. And so you're seeing consumer debt increase. Is that all fair? That's partially true. You know, there was a, a Fed paper that came out last year that actually tried to do some estimates in terms of how large the pandemic excess savings wave was and how much was sort of left in, in the tank from that. Um, we worked at the conference board to try to update uh, some of these models that they uh, produced uh, through the first quarter of this year. And there is still some gas left in that tank, but not nearly as much as, as what they, they had in their bank accounts. Uh, consumers, that is, yeah, uh, in 2022, yeah. So that, but so basically, people are kind of running to the edge of their money. You know, they're not feeling flush with cash. But gosh, Eric, I mean, all you have to do is go to the grocery store and look at those prices, or go to the gas station and look at those prices, and you know, you just start scratching your head, don't you? It is. It it, it as it has been a, a very big issue and a prolonged issue for for quite some time now. The only good news, if you if you want to call it that, is that the rates of of some of this inflation that we're seeing has started to cool. It's not quite as dire as it was last year, and we're we're hopeful that those numbers will gradually ebb down uh, over the course of 2023 and into a 2024. But still. You know, the Fed has a target that they're trying to get inflation to. That target is 2% year-over-year inflation. We don't think that's something that's going to be achieved until, uh, at the very best, uh, the end of 2024. Well, and, you know, that suggests that, depending on what happens here, you know, with the debt ceiling and all sorts of other things, the Fed may continue to raise interest rates. So we have forecast uh, one more 25 basis point uh, hike uh, in June, um, and then we're currently expecting the Fed to pause rates and to keep them high through the end of this year. Uh, markets in, in recent months have been expecting the Fed to kind of buckle um, under the weight of uh, an economic slowdown and, and reverse course and start to cut rates, um, but we're not really expecting that to happen until uh, sometime in, in mid-2024, most likely. Yeah, and then and then it'll probably be a gradual reduction, so that'll take some time. But you know, this is a, this is a, an interesting time. Um, and you mentioned the the fifty five plus reaction, and those people now fifty five plus is a big band because it's fifty five till end of life essentially. So you have some people who are working and some people who are retired. A lot of retirees in that group and. We're on fixed incomes, and so inflation really hurts those folks. 
No, absolutely. Uh, they are certainly a, a demographic that are suffering uh, under the weight of, of inflation. What are the other things that, that came to mind when seeing these data on the 55 plus is that with the threat of a, 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 um, a debt ceiling uh, uh, crisis uh, where um, Social Security checks don't get sent out and Medicare money is frozen up, you know, that would be the group as well that would take, you know, the brunt of, of, of that kind of a situation on the nose. Uh, so there may be certain certain elements of, of concern sur- surrounding the debt ceiling negotiations that really weighed on the 55 plus group. Yeah. And even if they get paid later, a lot of um, folks live month to month or, you know, check to check on on uh, their their expenditures. But you know, we have to point out that that these data were collected. The, the surveys were all done before there was any resolution on the debt ceiling, so a lot of angst and not a lot of a lot of light uh, at that point. So, you know, this downturn could be temporary to the extent that the debt ceiling weighed, but you still have the the slow reduction in the rate of inflation, and and that's going to continue to weigh. No, that's right, Steve. Yeah. What about the, you mentioned the jobs, um, a weakening job market. Is that just a tiny little weakening? Because you still see historically un, uh, historically low unemployment, don't you? You do. You know, uh, unemployment is still extremely low. Uh, the labor markets are extremely tight. But according to the survey, uh, the respondents reported uh, uh, that uh, easiness uh, in which they're able to get a new job declined. Uh, and those who were asked uh, about, is it difficult to find a job, uh, that ticked up a little bit. Uh, so both uh, a decline in, in responses about how easy it is to find work and a increase in uh, difficulty in, in, in finding work among certain people as well. Yeah, but you, you still have now the number of job openings have come down. I think at one point it was 11 million. I think we're down into the, what, the nine, nine and a half million range, but that's still a lot of open positions. And it absolutely is. And it, it's our expectation that, uh, this recession is going to be interesting uh, and, and different from many others. Uh, a jobful recession is something that we're expecting. We are, we do believe that the unemployment rate is going to rise. Uh, we expect it to maybe rise about by about a percentage point, peaking sometime towards the end of 2023, or early 2024. But even, even you know, even in in sort of pre-pandemic uh, uh, context. You know, the, the unemployment rates that we're forecasting, four and a half percent or so, are still pretty decent, especially when you pair it with the fact that we're expecting to see the economy contract. So the economy is, even though it's, even though the labor market's going to loosen up a little bit, it's still going to remain tight uh, in the downturn. And it's going to be something that I think companies have to grapple with uh, uh, for many years, given sort of demographic and structural issues. Yeah. And, you know, 5% used to be the number that uh, economists viewed as full employment. And so what you're saying is, you know, the the worst, you know, at the worst, forecasted, of course, you know, we're talking about something in the four, four, three to four, five range. So that's that's you know still pretty good, as you point out. So the uh, the other thing is, you typically at this point going into a recession, don't see nine and a half million open positions, and you know, so what it, the easiest position to cut if you're a CEO is the position that's not filled, right? So, it just just because, you know, just on the flip side, playing devil's advocate, you, you know, it could be that you end up to the extent that you you know you can redeploy skill sets and so forth. It could be that you end up eliminating open positions first and not 
affecting quite as many people. So that's another option, isn't it? It is. It is, absolutely. We get the jobs report out this coming Friday, so we'll get a little bit more information about what, what the, the latest pulse of the labor market looks like. Now, you, you do forecasting on, on goods and services, which you know some people um, don't think is, is all that interesting in certain periods. But in this period, it is interesting because of the way goods and services behave during the pandemic. What are we seeing now? Well, so you're right, Steve. During the pandemic, there was a big pivot in terms of U.S. consumption habits. Um, typically, U.S. consumers are much more focused on services. But over the course of the pandemic period, they were afraid to go out. They were afraid to go to restaurants and go on vacation because they were afraid they were going to get sick. Uh, as a function of that, we saw a big spike uh, in good spending. That has been reversing uh, over the last year or so. The sort of growth rate seen in goods has been uh, uh, weaker. Uh, but services have been rebounding. And so I think, you know, our expectation is that that's going to sort of fizzle out as well again as uh, inflation uh, uh, and interest rates uh, and uh, a looser labor market sort of put a little bit more pressure on uh, consumer pocketbooks. We're talking consumer confidence in the U.S. economy with Eric Lund from the Conference Board. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. What does the future of work mean for your employees? How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the Conference Board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem-solving for your organization. Membership at the Conference Board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy, and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. Consider becoming a Conference Board member today by visiting www.conference-board.org. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Eric Lund, our Principal Economist here at the Conference Board. Okay, so let's turn now, Eric, to the U.S. economic update. You do the forecasting for this each month. What are you seeing, you know, in terms of uh, the GDP going forward? So, as I mentioned at the the top end of that the podcast, uh, we're expecting a growth rate of about minus zero point six percent in the second quarter of this year, uh, and we're anticipating that it uh, that slowdown or that sorry that. Uh, contraction intensifies uh, over the course of the second half of the year. Right now, uh, we're looking at a w- minus 1.6 reading for the Q3, and then a minus 1.2 reading uh, for Q4. Uh, looking a little bit further uh, around the corner into 2024, we are expecting uh, the economy to reverse course and start to grow again, but gradually. Uh, we're only expecting uh, uh, under 1% growth uh, for Q1. And we're really not uh, expecting to see the U.S. economy to get back to sort of its more stable two to two and a half percent growth rate until the second half of 2024. So, you know, the, the story here is a sh- sort of shortish and shallowish recession uh, over the course of this year, and then a gradual emergence into sort of pre-pandemic normalcy in terms of growth rates, uh, but not until the tail end of, of 2024. It always is, is interesting to the layperson to listen to economists talk about growth rates that are negative. It's like, well, isn't growth supposed to be positive? And so it was either growth or decline. 
but it it is the way that you know technically we talk about it. But but uh, you know these numbers, these declines that you're talking about are not. I mean, you're talking about a relatively shallow and mm-hmm. short recession versus what we've experienced historically. So they're you know yes, it's down a little bit, but you know there's there's no looming disaster here. That's right, Steve. I mean, if you want to even try to compare it to the the recession that we had at the onset of the pandemic, the growth rate at that point uh, was negative 30 some odd percent. So a a massive- That's a lot. Yes. That's a lot. And, and, and then the one before that was the great recession and that, and, and that was a big decline as well, not 30%, but that was a big decline as well. So this is, this looks like it's manageable and it's job full as you, as you said, which I don't think we've ever seen before. So this is, this is really a unique situation. It is a unique situation, um, but you know the fact of the matter is, is, is that you know the the growth rates that we've been experiencing over the last year or so, year to two years following the rebound, following that massive recession, aren't sustainable. Uh, the Fed has increased interest rates by 500 basis points in in just over a year. Uh, we have a quantitative uh, tightening uh, taking place. We have uh, both consumers and CEOs telling us that they're expecting to see a recession on the horizon. So, you know, in a lot of ways, what I'm expecting is sort of a bookend, a bookend to the volatility that we've had over the pandemic period. It started with a huge recession in 2020 and hopefully uh, a mild recession, uh, just a mild recession in, in 2023. And then we can start to maybe get back to some degree of normalcy in terms of the economy starting next year. So, you know, essentially, this recession is unlike, I guess, maybe any other, um, in that it's driven mostly by the Fed and its desire to cool the inflation, which, of course, it has to do. It's it's the role of the Fed, and you don't want high, high, high levels of inflation. That's, com- that's really bad for people, as we've discussed. So, therefore, they've got to do this. And so, this recession... You know, it's not a financial crisis. It's not a banking crisis. It's not a, you know, a, a fundamental. You know, there's no war. There's not. You know, it's it's not those kinds of things that have happened in the past. And so, therefore, you'd like to believe that as soon as inflation starts coming down into the, you know, into the range that, the things will start feeling a lot better. So, therefore, what are your forecasts for inflation? So, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, it's not going to be a touchdown, spike the ball kind of situation. Uh, the, the, the infl- there has been progress uh, in terms of the severity of inflation. Uh, if you look at the month over month readings, they've come down quite a bit from where they were a year ago. Um, but uh, it's going to be slow progress. Uh, if you look at, for instance, core, uh, the core uh, uh, personal consumption expenditure, which is actually one of the Fed's preferred metrics for gauging inflation, it's been moving fairly sideways uh, for the last six months or so. So there hasn't been a ton of progress there. Um, So our expectation is that we'll probably see something along the lines of 3% year-over-year inflation uh, by the end of this year. Uh, But it'll take a full uh, year beyond that to push it down an additional percentage point to that 2% target. So that means for the full year of 23, because you're talking about 3% by the end of the year, but so for the full year of 23, it should be what, closer to 6% for the year? Yeah, that's about right, Steve. And then for, if if you just enter the year in 24, three and you end at two, it's got to be around two and a half percent. Yeah, just just over 2%. Yeah. So, okay. So, so 24 sounds 
pretty normalized. I mean, the the Fed ought to, you know, ought to be relaxed. You know, once it starts to hit, you know, mid twos or so, right? But I think so. Yeah, I think you know, policy rates are are in such restrictive territory right now that I think the Fed might be willing to dial down uh, uh, the Fed funds rate uh, before it gets to that two percent number. Once once we per, you know potentially get down sub 3%, getting down maybe around, you know, 2.7, 2.6, the Fed might be willing to maybe start to to uh, uh, loosen policy a little bit. It's still going to be, it's still going to be tighter uh, than what it was during, you know, the financial, or during the, uh, the pandemic, of course, um, and even what it was prior to the pandemic. Um, so maybe something along the lines of, you know, 4% or, or something like that, as opposed to where it is now. You know, we mentioned the inflation effect on uh, on prices for consumers, but it also, of course, hits the cost of debt for consumers. Whether you're talking credit cards or you're talking mortgages, and and we are seeing the housing market slow down. Although, as you've pointed out, you know, in everything that you've written, there is a lag between that you know mortgage rates hitting the housing market and then the housing market trailing, you know, going into leases. So the lease the leases lagged by what 12 to 18 months and so you've got that still coming down for the next year so it it it's just it's which means at least it's continue to go up uh that you know, but the rate goes down so yeah i think it's going to feel to consumers you know unless i'm wrong like they're still being pushed even though the top line numbers might look better i think so steve uh, it's still going to be eroding at, at earnings, and and uh, you're still going to be paying more f- for your groceries, uh, your your electricity bills, etc. But it's just not going to be as severe uh, uh, an increase as, as what we saw, you know, in 2022 and 2021. And and this is why you look so closely at the consumer confidence index because confidence is driven by, you know, their lot in life, which is, you know, how much can they afford? You know, what's, what is their family experiencing and what the job situation is? So, and that in turn affects spending. And that's important because what consumer spending is nearly 70% of the U.S. economy. So that's right. All of this is kind of tied together. All right. So we don't really know what the resolution of the debt ceiling um, discussions will be as we talk right here. It looks like there's a tentative deal um, you know, we're, that hasn't been uh, ratified. There's no vote yet at this point. So it still could be choppy waters ahead. But let's assume that it, it gets resolved here and, you know, we return to some normalcy. Would you expect consumer confidence then to rebound a bit? It might a little bit. Uh, if, if you know, it's difficult to say exactly. So we did, we did among the, the survey response uh, respondents who filled out uh, or commented on what their top concerns were. Only about 2% uh, actually listed uh, the debt ceiling uh, uh, issue as one of their top concerns. You know, some of the other ones that are really top of mind for them are jobs, interest rates, and and higher prices, all of which we've kind of already talked about here. So I don't think think that the the debt ceiling uh, crisis or potential crisis has uh, had an a, a really strong and broad impact on the uh, on the consumer confidence number, um, but I think that it may be partially responsible for the hit that we saw in that 55 plus uh, 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 category. Um, that having been said, 
any kind of a resolution to this is certainly not going to hurt consumer confidence. It will likely, it will best have no effect, at, at, or sorry, it will at worst have no effect and at best have a little bit of a, a positive impact on uh, on consumer sentiment. You know, kind of a leading indicator of, of predictions on things like the debt ceiling or whatever's happening in the financial markets is the stock market itself. And even though the stock market's drifted down a little bit, it has been relatively calm about this whole situation, suggesting that the expectations are that there'll be, you know, there'll be some sort of settlement and it should be okay. Um, any any insights there that you could share with us? I mean, I just say that that you know the stock market has been through this before. Um, this isn't uh, the first you know of, of its kind kind of potential crisis. Um, so I think you know over over the years and through experience, a lot of investors have learned how to interpret what's happening. I think I think the current uh, negotiations and the current sort of crisis, if you will, um, has been uh, uh, maybe a little bit more severe, a little bit more concerning than than ones in recent history. Um, but I, you're right. You know, the, the markets are reacting to positive news about negotiations or. Um, uh, discussions uh, over the last couple of weeks, but given given the severity of what could happen if the U.S. actually did default, um, the markets have been pretty mature and 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 maybe a, a pretty understanding about uh, all of this. Yeah, and and both sides have said, you know, we don't want to default, we don't expect to default. So you know, there the inkling here is that uh, you know that we're we're just negotiating in. And by the way, the experience has been in in seven of the last ten debt ceiling increases. It, there have been negotiations, so this is this. You're right. This isn't uh, this isn't their first experience with it. Eric, anything else that you want to share with us in th- these data that we haven't talked about? I think we've we've covered things fairly uh, uh, broadly. Uh, what, what other actually tidbit that that um, I thought was interesting was uh, on. Uh, consumer uh, spending in pensions. Um, so the cons- consumers were asked them, you know, what are you, what are you intending to spend your money on? Looking ahead, we did see uh, uh, some interesting developments there. Um, uh, consumers have reported that they were expecting to purchase a home over the next six months. That was about flat; didn't change too much from April. Um, but uh, there was a increase in terms of the number of consumers who reported that they were going to be buying a vehicle or uh, sort of a, a larger sort of appliance or, or something like that uh, uh, over the number, next six months, which was a little bit unexpected. Um, and then finally, in terms of their intentions to go on vacation uh, or to travel, there we actually did see a, a fairly sizable deterioration. U.S. consumers said that they um, maybe weren't uh, looking to spend on flights and hotels and vacations to the extent that they had been planning to uh, in previous readings of uh, the Consumer Confidence Survey. Well, thank goodness for that, because every plane that I've been on recently is at every seat full. All the hotels are full, and I'm told that cruises are booked out through 2027. So I think travelers could use a little bit of relief here. So I don't know if it's going to happen or not. One, you know, one, more th- one thing that I saw in the data that we haven't talked about is, you know, boy, there were huge CC, uh, consumer confidence declines in California, New York, and Illinois. Folks in those three states are not happy people right now. Yeah, that's right, Steve. You know, the, the vast majority uh, of, of the various regions that we measure uh, did see downturns, um, but some were, were a little more extreme than others. California, New York, and Illinois. Okay, Eric, 
thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Steve. And thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week, I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in geopolitics, economics, public policy, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends, with your favorite economists. I know they're going to want to listen. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.